Hi, welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. Um, my name is Paul McAnallen. This week, uh, taking a little bit of a detour musically, um, the podcast this week is with Stevie O'Sullivan, um, uh, the drummer with The Minnows, and there are going to be two or three songs uh, played across the podcast. I hope you really like it. It's my first uh, venture into a musical um, podcast. But it's quite relevant. It's very timely. 25 years these guys have been playing together. Quite frankly, their music is really, really good. And I'm very sure you'll enjoy it. I'm delighted to welcome Stevie O'Sullivan here. This is a take two, by the way. Stevie, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, We've been sitting here deliberating, talking. We've talked for um, about half an hour maybe now before this. So delighted to get to get this conversation going for real. Um, Stevie, there's a lot of things we can talk about. We just cut straight to the chase. Very... Five minutes before we went on earlier, I got a chance to listen to the new single. So we can talk about the your the alter ego as a musician then, first of all. Yeah, um, drummer in the minnows. Um, we're working on a new album. So we hope we hope to have that finished fairly soon. And, it, and in our time frame, that means, say, October, November, uh, okay. to have it finished and out. And it's a... Uh, Labour of Love, we're nearly finished, we're very happy with it, so a couple of tracks have gone out on Facebook and um, getting a, thankfully getting a good response, you know, good feedback. Okay, so for the uninitiated, um, if you're from Tyrone and if you're from Northern Ireland and of a certain vintage, you will be completely initiated. Um, so the minnows were, prior to that, Tiberius minnows, um, originally all students at St. Pat's Academy? Well, no, there was uh, the original band, there was three at St. Pat's Academy, and then uh, now there's two, which be myself and Mickey, yeah. and, uh, Academy men. Uh, Kevin is from Ballandary, okay, just over the border. Okay, and um, this tribalism's nonsense. No, we should just cut this out. Like, no, it's, it's my fault for mentioning the academy. Okay, so let's say Mid Ulster. Was that Mid Ulster? Yeah, Mid-Ulster? and then Paul, the guitar player, is from uh, Greystones. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and, but was brought up in Down Patrick as well. I think he kind of flitted between the two, so. Okay. He's he's a uh, a mongrel. Right. Okay. And that's a good. That's, he'll, th- he'll thank you for that. He will. Yeah. For sure. Right. So, but the the um the band has roots firmly in, in Mid Ulster. Um, I was just saying to to you a minute ago, Stevie, that I first saw you play upstairs in the fort. So that's well, it's got to be twenty five years ago now. Right? Uh, it would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So band has been playing for twenty five years with a, a hiatus of I don't know how long. Um. Well, I suppose publicly there's there was a hiatus maybe of. Eight, 10 years but privately there was never a you know we were always kind of working on stuff at, at various levels of you know playing together or recording a bit I suppose in terms of putting our our face above the parapet again and you know throwing something out for people to listen to it was a, a 10 year gap okay but we never split up or you know we were always rehearsing and probably at, at less of a speed because you know we were starting our careers and working and stuff but no we never split up I suppose it's kind of a if people don't hear about you, they think you've split up. And that's interesting because the intervening period, so I again just mentioned um, the fort, then a night you played at the Mean Fiddler in Harlesden, mm-hmm. and then at a night in the Moy, where I think it was part of Blast Cool, was it? That's that's right, yeah. Was it Lynette yeah, Faye was, was doing it? And we were, we were working on that. We, were, we had just finished a play, rehearsing the play around the corner, the first night of the play, and went round just in time for you guys to kick into your most famous tune Time Flies which mm-hmm. um, I had ever heard you play live which for me was a um, a, a first and great to, to see you playing but I suppose the, the, the interesting thing for me is that, that how you can keep going professionally which ultimately is your your professional musicians right because you're for a living in part but you've got this day job this other thing so what do you do in the other side of your life? Uh, I run a digital marketing company um, which is kind of I've been working on that now for 10 years old in terms of running it and before that I worked in kind of the marketing and advertising world in London. Um, so that's what pays the bills. You know? so, and you're uh, heavily into the automotive sector? Yeah, most of the clients we would have would be automotive. I kind of no grand design on that, but that's the way it's worked out. You know, it's, I suppose once you get in there, it's a relatively small industry in terms of, you know, the senior marketeers know each other and, you know, word of mouth and that. So we're getting rec- recommendations and we're not going to turn away work but it means then we are most of the work we have is automotive so this guy's doing the the, the big grandstand and self-deprecation here right you've got clients where where are the clients uh clients in 
Ireland, UK, Canada, and the States. Okay, so, yeah. so that's that's kind of that's a bigger picture, right? Which I think is very important because um, there's, there tends to be a lot of grandstanding from digital agencies in uh, in this parish who are operating in this parish, right? Mm. So it's a truly truly global business that you've got, yeah. genuinely global, right? So you're working. Um, it's all one big village, so they tell us anyway. But you're trading um, in west coast of the states, which is a hard market to break into if you're not American. Never mind if you're from Belfast, or and you're operating in Dublin as well, right? Yeah, we've got quite a few clients in Dublin. I mean, look at Audi, Volkswagen, uh, do a bit of work with BMW. Um, pretty much most of the brands in the Republic we would work with, you know. Okay, so most of my consulting, I, I would have a bit of track record in the automotive sector with. A brand and a retailer and also as a customer and I do a bit of sales training and a bit of branding and all that sort of stuff but when I'm speaking to businesses startups and and the SME sector especially in startups you'd be trying to tell the guys like you know focus is, is focus is really 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 critical pick your destination very carefully define the process to get to the destination forget about the destination become a slave to the process and then refine and pivot refine and pivot and all that sort of stuff and you're completely going against that by sitting on very comfortably on two stools and managing it very well albeit with a little bit of a gap in the middle yeah how do you do that um that's a good question i suppose with the music you just don't want to you, you realize you're very lucky to be able to do it you know in the sense of even being in a band now it's very difficult for people to get bands going it's very difficult you know when we're in that glorious position where we're not worried about making money out of the band which is good Mm. Which means then it's it, it, it allows us to try things out, uh, you know, and, and do our own thing. And, and I suppose the, the main thing that makes you do it is, is there's, a, there's a passion there for us to, to work together and, and make music and, and enjoy it. You were saying beforehand, um, you'd mentioned, you know, I had so right again, just to, to join the dots here, when we were talking before we went on air here. I had mentioned that I had heard you when I was in London uh, on a Saturday morning breaking through on Dave Lee Travis, right? Mm -hmm. So for, again, don't Google him, right? But trust me, he was the Chris Evans of his time. He was very... He was uh, fairly high profile. Very yeah. high profile. Chris Evans won't thank me either, so don't Google Chris Evans even, right? But he was a very prominent DJ on Radio 1. So all of a sudden, you're from Dungana, Mid-Ulster, you get airplay. What happened next? What was you told a really nice and interesting kind of... Uh, well, you know, I don't think any of the band actually heard the track been played, but the story goes that he said, look, if this band aren't signed within the next week, there's something seriously wrong with the music business. And we heard that from a few sources, so there was no smoke without fire. And, um, I think where, where, the, where the problem was, we didn't have distribution in England, Wales and Scotland for the single time flies. And... and the, the song had been put before their playlist committee like two or three times and distribution wasn't sorted out. So we didn't get high rotation or played a lot. And, you know, obviously the, the more you get played, the more chance you have of people liking you and the more chance you have of selling and blah, blah, blah. So uh, you could say that was a, a, a management mistake and uh, should have been sorted out and wasn't. And there you go. And they... The climate for musicians today is entirely different in so far as um, uh, Lily Allen, she launched her career on social media. She's probably one of the more high-profile uh, cases of getting picked up through MySpace, so mm. distribution is not an issue today. You've got more problems. You've probably got a greater choice of uh, artists to compete with because everybody's a musician these days, right? And yeah. uh, distribution is not an issue today. Or no, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's much less of an issue and you can put your stuff on iTunes and stuff like that relatively easily and, you know, it's there for the world to download. So, you know, that, that as a kind of uh, argument is gone, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. I think the, the issue now is actually having that notion where you can capture somebody's time, you know, where they'll take two seconds to listen to you. Yeah. It's so competitive now and people have been bombarded, you know, from the morning, you know, from the morning time to night time through their phone, through their, you know, through all these, their computer, it's very hard to get somebody to stand up and say, okay, this is the minnows, give them a listen. That's the hardest thing. If you were, as a marketeer now, so you've got all this experience of working um, business to business rather than business to consumer, which is ultimately what music kind of is. Although it's business to business to start off with because you've got a breakthrough at a business level. Mm. 
what advice would you give to somebody to stand out? If you were talking to the younger Stevie now, right? You had a chat with him 25 years ago and Mickey and you boys are sitting around by car, they're all yeah. sitting around the room going, right, this song's class. What advice would you give yourself? In, in today's marketplace? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, it definitely is all about social media now. It's, it's about standing out through social media. That's how people interact with the world by and large. I know it sounds daft, but that's how they consume so many bits of information and that's where you'd go. Well, and how do you break that down? So I, like, again, we were talking about music beforehand. I have a fairly broad palette. Um, you know, the best example I can think of of, a, of somebody who capitalized on marketing now would be Garth Brooks, mm -hmm. who's a marketing consultant or, or a business strategist in his spare time. And then he just decided to bring together all the good bits of Billy Joel, James Taylor, and Elton John, and then uh, sort of Nashville it. Yeah. And all of a sudden he went stratospheric. And there's all the people that are very, very astute. You uh, two are very astute. They've retained their relevance over decades. Springsteen has, is the best one I can think of. He just completely has empathy with his customer base. He knows exactly what they want to hear, and therefore he's able to write. Mm. How, how do you stand out in social media, even with all of that? I think it's very hard for any new band at the minute because it is so disparate. There's so many different ways that you, you know, so many competitive kind of channels that it's very difficult for a band to stand out. We talk about, you know, in, in the digital world, disruptive, disruptive kind of uh, activity going on. And you look at Uber and uh, Airbnb and you look at these things and I think they're, they're brilliant. I really, really like them. And they kind of come into an industry and disrupted the whole thing through software and through access through your phone and that but really this happened in the music industry 10 15 years ago mm. that was the first industry that was totally disrupted by the digital world and i mean it wasn't just disrupted it was kind of smashed into bits yeah. so that's the problem you know even when we were you know released we released time flies and a few other things you know i think they were charging two quid for the single then so there was there was some kind of transaction and money going on yeah whereas now you know you you put something out and you're not going to get any money for it. You know, somebody might give you 79p, but, um, keep talking there. Yeah. Somebody might give you a 79p for the, you know, a download, but in, in essence, then it can be copied very easily and stuff, you know? So there, I just went across to get, um, uh, Johnny Cash's 40 shades of green. Okay. Mm -hmm. On 45, which back in the day would have probably cost, well, I know my very first first record I bought was Whiskey in the Jar and Gene Stewart's. I still have it. $1.74 price is still on the side of it. Very good. And now that's, I've kept that since since 1974. So do them as whenever you've got time. But the fact is people are listening to songs now and just chopping them. There's a one listen. Some of these songs are listened to once. Mm. And you make a 99p and then it's gone. And the artist doesn't really care. But Spotify changed it. Um, you had... Shazam has changed it. Who was the, I'm trying to think of the very first disruptor in that space where um, they closed it down. They were... Uh, yeah. Um, it's not Pandora. That was... I can't remember the name, to be honest, uh, but I know who you're referring to. And it, yeah, it was just easy to, to, to uh, share files and download files and do a search. And, you know, and I did it, absolutely, because, you know, I love my music. It wasn't that I wanted to get music for free, but I wanted to search it free. I was yeah. happy then to buy an album if I liked it. Um, I suppose it made it so that almost your radio, you could say, right, I've heard this band are good, and you could listen to it and say, okay, I'll, I'll download that now or I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, but it's the smaller startouts that have really suffered for that. You know, the bands who don't have a, a fan base, uh, I, I suppose in, in many ways we're one of those. You know, we're, we're relatively small on an unknown, and any new band now starting and in that position is going to find it very hard to break out. For every Lily Allen, there's a thousand other people, million other people who never break it beyond their song being seen by nobody. And, yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. Um, like it probably sounds quite. I think that then means that the single is taken over now and the instant hit. You know, it's all a bit saccharine, and that's the problem. You know. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier about the idea of maybe even do we bother making a CD? You know, mm. because how many people would be interested? Um, so. To think that you would ever have a conversation like that. I think the problem then is that the art form of the album is something you put on for, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes and you, you play it and it's kind of should have a whole feel to it. It's not that it's dying, but it's certainly not what it once was when you look at, say, you know, your Thin Lizzy's and your Floyd's and, you know, the, the bands that this was a, a, an entire piece of, you know, an entire offering made up of 10, 12 tracks. Yeah. You know, it's 
so what we're approaching the recording in that sense we've got an album that we're you know really happy with and stuff but how do you deliver to people so that they consume it the way you're making it? It's, it's, it's very difficult. And and these the, the when you go back to your 18-year-old self, you're just thinking about changing the world by writing songs and either making a living out of it, being like a global star or whatever it is. But there's all these different things that you've got to think of now and take into account. And it's very sad that we, we are working, you know, whenever a body of work, like, you know, you talk about artists like Thin Lizzy, but even artists like Tom Waits or Bob Dylan, that their whole, their whole album... Doesn't get doesn't see the light of day of a certain demographic because they're only mm. interested in hit that they heard their father playing the car that day. You know, yeah. and, and you think then the real influencers are people who you know it's it's still maybe yeah people involved in radio and maybe soundtracks and and, and stuff like that. Um, so it's increasingly difficult to get something that stands out. What's your view on X Factor? Just um, as, as, do I have to read your mind to work that out? Like, or do you what what do you think about that that reality or trying to create? Turn polishing essentially trying to make bad good things out of bad things or better things out of okay things. I, I mean, I, I, how do I feel about it? I mean, it doesn't float my boat at all. It's 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 kind of it's almost filling that void of people wanting, you know. How, how do you describe it? It's it's it's, it's a singing competition, you know. Um, it's like karaoke. Yeah. And uh, it's not it's not in any way creative, you know. Okay, you, it's 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 surrounded by the. Uh, the notion of creativity because it's on TV and there's light shows and there's you know smoke bombs and there's all kind of glitz going on, but in essence, it's a it's a karaoke. Yeah, it, um, I would share the same sentiment. I think it's probably a very dangerous karaoke. It it, it has uh, given people the distorted view of how easy it is to become good at something. I think it's a short. It's just a the, it's a litany of shortcuts after shortcut yeah. after shortcut after yeah. shortcut. And um, I think it devalues something that is really, really uh, culturally rich, certainly for our Irish people, with music and, you know, the storytelling through song. And, mm. and you know, they just belittle that in one fell swoop, I think. Personally, that uh, I just don't get it. I haven't watched the... the I'm, not in, I'm, I'm genuinely not interested in what you're saying. Like, I haven't watched and I can't, can't watch it. I like my music too much to even just entertain it, you know, or add value to it as an audience, an, an audience figure, you know. It's it's kind of no different. The, the 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 thing that they're playing with is, you know, people's uh, voices and songs, and it's no different to the kind of some of those dating shows or you know, it's just Saturday evening throwaway TV. You know, yeah. the fact that we it ever enters a conversation about music, it shouldn't enter a conversation about music. It's yeah. just kind of a totally light entertainment. You know, some the kids will like it, but yeah. the kids you can't expect. You know, and fair fair enough. Um, that's as far as it goes. I think there is a distorted notion we're going to find the next, you know, uh, genuine talent out of that. It's, it's no it's a, I, I actually feel I should apologise for even throwing the question to you because you're right, it's a massive, it's a huge, it's, a, it's an irrelevant distraction. We'll push mm. on, man, I'm sorry about that because it's, 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 it's a bullshit area, really. Um, so the the uh, process of staying stimulated with a group of four people, like when another marriage then, like you're <laughs> sort of 25 years together. And yeah, yeah. Um, probably been together so long now we kind of, understand each other's foibles and, and smells. <laughs> um, and we're, look, we're, the core of it, we're, we're good mates. Um, that is actually, I think, a large part of the reason why we're together. We have a totally shared interest in music. Uh, it's a great kind of uh, community in that sense because you're always talking about ideas or somebody's heard something that they like or, you know. So it's... Um, is it, is it like a Coldplay kind of collective where everybody takes equal responsibility for the investment in talent and songwriting and lyrics and that? Or how does that work? Well, out? Mickey's the songwriter. and So Mickey, just for again the uninitiated, Mickey Rafferty is, Mickey Rafferty, yeah. is this. He's uh, from Coal Island. And an MD of a fairly successful PR. Yeah, Mickey works in PR and is doing really well. Duffy Rafferty communications and, you know, they're very good and he's, he works very hard at it. And I think, you know, they're, they're really... Uh, one of the shining lights. Other PR agencies are available, is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Yeah. <laughs> He's no, got, yeah. got to use Duffy Rafferty there. The but, but even even with that, again, you know, just sort of sort of segueing backwards slightly, that been able to run a successful business because they are very successful. They're good at what they do. Mm. But also to be able to commit the time to the craft and write songs must take a... Look, we, we I think we said earlier, the hardest thing for us is actually the time. You know, if you go back 25, 30 years when, you know, we're playing in, in the shed and, you know, 
we had all the time in the world when we were rehearsing and all the rest of it. And what we didn't have was any money. Uh, and and now you could, I'm not saying we're millionaires now, but now we can afford to record and stuff. The trouble is we haven't got the time to get into the studio together. That's it's the it's the it's the most valuable commodity that we don't really have enough of. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's probably a phase in the sense that you know I know we've all got kids and the lads. The other three are particularly young kids. Men are slightly older, but this you know that just chops away at your time and means that how we do it is we we set aside time usually Friday or Saturday nights and we'll go into the studio at about say eight o'clock in the evening and we won't come out until sometimes it's daylight because you do literally go in there and you forget the world exists you're concentrating on the recording you're concentrating on an argument over what's the right yeah you know <laughs> way to approach something and it's it's a brilliant world to get lost in you know and we often we'd, we'd love to be I suppose we'd love to be doing that full time but you know Maybe this is the next best thing where we we can produce stuff and we can put it out and uh, um, and we're not relying on it to to feed the kids. You and know? you've got control as well. You've got ownership of it. You've got control in terms of the production of it. You've got control of the distribution, the yeah. positioning, the tonality, yeah. Yeah. the so, branding, all of that. So, like, you know, if there's artistic arguments and debates over sounds and intros and outros and you know symbols and whatever. It's 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 contained within us and we enjoy that, you know, that's kind of, and we'll try different things and there's no hassle if it doesn't work or we don't like how something sounds or works together. So that's the beauty of where we're at. You know, the only arguments, artistic arguments are internal or they're not even arguments. They're kind of interesting debates. Whereas, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, whereas if you had other people involved, um, you know, your record companies, your, your distributors, your promoters, your, your managers, you know, it gets very convoluted very quickly, you know, and, and, and I think the danger then is that the the essence of what you're trying to create can get lost for a reason that has nothing to do with where you originally started and what you were trying to do. Yeah. And Mickey would back it up that, you know, you, you write and you want it to reflect where you want that piece to go and not kind of be changed because it has to suit, a, you know, a DJ or it has to suit a, a yeah. dance floor or whatever. So just just on the, the, the notion of DJ here, I'm going to um, sort of pause our proceedings here and going to play you a song um, off the new album, Come Home Soon. Come Home Soon. Yeah. yeah. So any, any, you want to do a bit of narrative to this, a bit of a, a preamble to it? Um, what would I say about Come Home Soon? I'll, I'll let the song speak for itself. It's kind of... A, it, it's very representative of the sound on the new album and this, you know, you'll hear harmonica in there and stuff and there's, there's a feel of this new album that we, we really like. I suppose this is a fairly good indicator of the general feel of the album. Okay, all right. So um, I, we're going to uh, play a bit of music now. That's, I probably, if I can just say fuck now, just so I don't sound like a DJ <laughs> because that's the last thing I want to be. But here's a bit of music. The song's really good. I, I, you, you will really enjoy this. <laughs>
Okay, so that was Come Home Soon, um, taken from you, the Minnow's new album, soon to be named, but not yet named. And we actually put a thing on the Facebook, um, asking people for ideas, we've had some weird and wacky ones, but okay. I don't think we've had anything yet that we've said, yeah, that's a great idea, but yeah, we're still thinking about it, but we need to get our act together fairly soon and decide on it. We were chatting through the song there, um, about influences, and uh, you know, just even thinking, is it important that there's an influence somewhere? Um, I suppose when you're selling music, it's really important that you're able to pigeonhole yourselves in a genre so you can jump on and say we're like them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, who the, who, what bands these days really become precedential? Who steps out and just does something completely that nobody's ever heard of before? Mm -hmm. There are very few of them, aren't there? There is, yeah, you're right, there's very few. It's very difficult to stand out. Now, you kind of look at the whole and what could a band possibly do now that would be different and there's always the danger you try and be different for the sake of being different completely and that's definitely not a category you want to fall into you know it's too contrived um so no it's very difficult to stand out so what and so just going back to that that before i had that notion there influences for this body of work then well we have all the usual influences that we you know we all have our own kind of things that we like. Um, Mickey's a huge Lloyd Cole fan, for example. Um, Paul would be, I'd, I'd say if you put him up against the wall, Aston Villian, the band he likes, would be Pink Floyd. Um, Kevin's got loads of influences, you know, he's, um, he comes from an Irish traditional background as well. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, myself, I'm probably your bit more predictable drummer type thing, you know, but um, <laughs> I'd be a U2 and Larry Mullen man. Um, so the, the, there's many things there, but we're also, I think it's all influenced by what we're listening to at the time, yeah. not just historically what we like. I was, we were chatting earlier, like the War on Drugs album last year was a big thing where we all kind of said, yeah, that's really, really good. Um, in terms of almost just the purpose of that album, that's, it feels like an album you can put on and go for a drive and not want to stop, <laughs> which was almost one of the things we wanted for this album, where you put the album on and it just felt right from start to finish. Yeah. Back to that conversation yeah. we have about the album was an art form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the, yeah, the War on Drugs was a big, big thing for us. I think Mickey actually posted on Facebook some of the influences that ha you'll hear in this album. I must just, I must just look that up again as well because he, he threw in several different things, you know, Fleet Foxes, you know. Yeah, I see that that um, uh, that Americana or old country genre has been stretched out so that it's almost meeting itself on the other side, you know, because <laughs> yeah. everybody's in the middle of that. Yeah, area. yeah. So I think it's a class place to be because that's what has been informing my musical taste for this last, I'd say, since I first heard it, I love it. Yeah. Um, and that's gone back to 91, 92. Yeah. Um, Steve Earle and all that Dwight Yoke and the big hat action. You have to go into the hat to get rid of the hat. And then you move away and you go into what more contemporary Bon Iver, Fleet Foxes, sure. Warren Drugs, uh, back out to the Avid Brothers, a bit of Hillbilly, and then you're back in again. And it's, a, it's a genre that just keeps bubbling along really nicely, and especially right. if you're Irish, it works really well. It you. does, you're right, and it seems like there's a, you know, there's a, there's still a big space there in that, in that world of Americana where there's still a lot to be explored and, you know, Completely. maybe slightly different variations on the theme that can yeah. be interesting. Um, you know, you probably noticed there, Mickey got the harmonica out again, you know, when I first started playing with Mickey, he would have been using the harmonica a lot, and then it must have lost in the guitar case for a while, you know, and it's, it's but it's, a, it's, you know, really quite prominent in this album. And, and Very I, prominent in that song, and, yeah. I, and I, I'd say to you, like, I get the Harvest Moon, Neil Young thing out of that, but that's been disrespectful to the craft of harmonica playing because it's like that and a, a range of different artists that sure. it doesn't stand out just as much and it's mm -hmm. not used as, as, a, as more of a focal point or a vocal point, if you like, but um, it's a very enjoyable tune. Like, it's really easy oh, to hear thanks, that. Thanks. I mean, you yeah. mentioned Neil Young there again. Just we're all big fans of Neil Young and, you know, I don't know if you were at the concert recently in Belfast, but it was brilliant, you know. Was it? Was, it? I was really, really... I nodded my head there. I don't, I don't really like Neil Young apart from Harvest Moon, that whole... That whole album um, from Hank to Hendrix, and, yeah. Um, you know, it's it just reminds me of the listening to Bob Dylan and back in '83, listening to Infidels, and I thought, geez, if all of his work was like this, then he'd be great, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no. I mean, look, but he had a bit. I think he had a bit of something for everyone that yeah, night, yeah. and you also, even myself, I wouldn't say to be an affectionate of Neil Young, but I was able to recognize a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. You know, 
on the night. And uh, but in terms of sound, you know, I think there's it's you're not going to go far wrong if you listen to his, as you said, the influences and some of the the instrumentation he would bring to the party. There's a brilliant um, the all good music documentaries typically come from BBC Four, but there's uh, Are You Ready for the Country? I think it's called. And it goes back to Laurel Canyon and uh, um, Crosby, Still, Nash and Young, um, and then uh, the Eagles, mm. and it flips on, like it takes it out to the Jayhawks and um, the guys who kind of push it out a bit further. Maybe Wilco's included in that. Yeah. And like they're all drinking from the same water. You know, yeah. it's just interpretation. Like they're just the way they, whether it's lyrical interpretation. And I think the Eagles were much maligned. So go back to that night in the fort. Whenever I saw you guys for five minutes. Whoever the bass player was was doing the Culchy intro and Mickey was pretending he was a show band playing on the Moyen. <laughs> all I can remember is this like complete parody of the the you know the Culchies up the road in the Moyen. And I was thinking, you bastard, like that's that's where I'm from, but I, I totally get it. And then about four or five years later I'm immersed myself completely in that uh, old country thing because you know, you listen to Woody Guthrie, you know, these guys like so, so brilliant, you know, so brilliant that they wouldn't get a chance to get hurt today. No, probably not. It's, you know, it's crazy. Different kind of protesting. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and, and I think that um, in the society, in the time we're living in right now, where you've got the stuff that's going on globally, financially, economically, and all that, but on a human-to-human level, like it's, it's almost just well, really hard to watch. But there's nobody, there's no music, there's no artist singing that song. Well, we'd have to be, I'd have to say that we're guilty of that as well, and that we're not in any way a kind of angst or political... But did you? You never were. You never... Not as a band, no. Yeah, no, yeah. it was never... We never were, and it's more about personal emotions that we read about, you know? Which, you know, it, it's it's almost easier, I think, to write about, you know, the, you know, be angry. You know, it's easy to be angry. It, it's harder to convey some of the emotions, I think, that we try to convey. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> you're right, you're right. And, you know, it's it's all well and good you hear somebody's song and you can relate to it um, I heard something the other day I heard uh, an acoustic version of The Boys of Summer by Stereophonics yeah. so uh, Don Henley first big mm-hmm. hit after the Eagles Boys of Summer launched whenever it was I couldn't get the song at all didn't like it thought nah moved away from the Eagles I'm on to something else now and I heard uh, Kelly Jones singing it the other day and some of the, it's just an amazing song and it's a song that I would relate to hanging out in Mullock Moor The Boys of Summer have gone and all this here and the feelings sure. about trying to tackle some yoke there'll be subtitles with later but going out and dating some girl and then you know it's it's a fleeting two month window and then you're back to school or you're back to work again and all that and that sentiment to get across is probably very very difficult right but but the challenge for me right and I'm going to push this out a bit like there's no Neil Young or even Bono if you want to include him like we're all looking at our iPhones chasing Pokemon listening to Donald Trump and it's a serious fucking time we're in like it's mm. absolutely um, you know, this is as close to recreating the circumstances for a global war than there has been since the 1930s, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of fascism, there's a lot of extreme nationalism going on all over the place, and then there was nobody to stand up. There was nobody to stand up and say, because some of the stuff you're seeing on TV has been sanitized, so the stuff that you're not seeing must be absolutely unreal that a guy, a priest, can be beheaded and they call it, he had his, he had his throat cut, right? Mm. But there's no songwriters or, or, or poets. Like Billy Bragg has still got relevance, but to a different generation. Like even doing the Red Wedge tour way back years ago when you had all these comedians. There's nobody seems to be stepping up and saying, it's about time this generation took responsibility. Millennials need to stand up and say, okay, do you know what? Like, we don't want this legacy. We're not accepting this. And music was always a vehicle for galvanizing thinking. It was. I mean, I suppose, you know, you can look at, you know, People like uh, Dylan and Baez and, you know, all those kind of uh, troubadours, you know, it has its place. It's just not really where we're at. You know, it definitely has its place. I don't see... And like, I wasn't suggesting for one second that you need to put out like a high voice, come on, you know, rack her up there. <laughs> you know, I know. Um, I, I don't know. I think things are maybe so bleak at the minute that it's hard for that to... to uh, I don't know, it's hard for somebody to stand out and actually be the voice of that. There's so many things that are wrong and, you know, every day you're hearing incredibly shit stories that, you know, are totally depressing. That it's, it's, I, I would imagine I don't see anybody being able to pick up that mantle easily and, you know. It's a hard one. It's almost yeah. so bad I think people want to escape. You know, yeah. is, is that, you know, maybe that is we're back to our X-Factors. There's almost an escapism there. And, but, 
you know, if you're trying to reflect the world as it is now, it's, it would be pretty hard to listen to that on, a, on, a, on an LP. <laughs> so the, you're trying to, the first time I heard the Jayhawks play, it made me believe that, because they, they supported Dwight Yoakam, and it made me, made me feel that this is what it must be like, or must have been like listening to Neil Young, because they were quite different. Like they, 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 for me, they brought something really different. The um, mm-hmm. Hollywood Town Hall album was just unbelievable. Like it really just put the, the tin hat on it for me. And then I listened to Ryan Adams, and I was just thinking, Jesus, this is, must have been like listening to Tom Waits. He played the Waterfront Hall, the piano. And I had all this kind of retrofit where these guys would have fitted in in days gone by. And I'm not that close to the millennial music arena right now but I would like to think and I hope there's somebody out there who's prepared to accept the challenge because we have very few uh, vehicles left that aren't controlled to get a message across and one song right because nobody can tell you what to write. Well that's true uh, but I think the problem again is that it's very hard for anybody to break through Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's very hard to unfortunately I think if you're going to be commercially successful you've got to tick certain boxes you know if you look at the controls, we're getting into kind of Murdoch territory here, but if you look at the controls of the media and stuff, um, anything that's going to rattle a lot of cages is unlikely to ever get it above the parapet, you know? Yeah. It's not going to get past first base. Like, no, I mean, that sounds very cynical. And it's, and it's not as if, I suppose, individually, we wouldn't have our own thoughts and our own political viewpoints, but it's never been something that we've approached from that point of view as a band. I've, I've taken that a wee bit out to the right there. I'll pull it back in, back to the war on drugs, not the, the name of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to something right now, what would you recommend somebody should go and listen to? So if you were saying, Jesus, I heard this the other day, Steadley, where would you point? Mm. What was the last thing that moved me? The last thing I listened to was <laughs> classical stuff at the weekend, which is a bit strange, isn't it, for a drummer? Um, <laughs> It depends who it is. Ludovic Arnaudi does a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's excellent. I've got a sister-in-law begging me to go and see them, see him in London, and you know, but I can't go. But there's no here. Here's the unfortunate thing for me. There's nothing that's blowing me away at the minute where I'm thinking that you know that is a new sound. That is something that I really believe in. That is something that I want to hear more of. Yeah, which is a bit depressing to say. You know, it's kind of. There's nothing that I've felt is that different. That's a symptom of your X factor, you know, you know. And you know that for me, what you have is probably an easier route to market for any great music mm. right now. Mm. And we're too busy downloading Andrea Burke and all those guys or Alexandra yeah. Burke, whatever you call it. Yeah. We're too yeah. busy getting caught up in somebody who was projected there for us. When actually great artists tend to rise regardless of who projects them. Yeah. And I think that's what we're suffering from now. I would struggle to. I, I, I mean, we talked with War on Drugs. I think that's the last album I really liked and thought that's different and it's it's good. And um, when you have it there yourself, it, it's yeah. The, the the album that we're referring to is called Lost in the Dream, and uh, Stevie says that if you put that on in a journey, you'd be you'd be just driving because mm. it's an awesome piece of work. Like it, it really is, um, and a. Uh, I can see where the influence comes from. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can see where the influence um, comes from. There's lots of other things I like, but that, in terms of, you know, you know, you talk about bands, you probably look each year and you say, what really influenced me? That's the last thing. Every year I kind of look for something yeah. <laughs> that is different and say, right, that's, you know, I noticed yourselves, who was it you posted the other day? Yourself? Was it the Abbott Brothers? Uh, the Abbott Brothers have been, um, I've been f- freaking out about them for for long story told very short. I've flown solo run to Glasgow to see them. I've gone down to Dublin to see them. I had tickets in London for a solo run. I couldn't make the gig, and um, they were supposed to play outside the outside the studio here um, at a custom house uh, festival, and mm-hmm. they were replaced by a, um, I think it was Lana Del Rey or somebody like that. Way back in the day, they had to go to Spain instead. I think they're they're brilliant. They're yeah. they're really brilliant and. They I don't know that I don't know them, so they're that's just something a, I'm gonna check out. Yeah, the the last album is called True Sadness, which is very apocryphal because there's a real sadness that they've tried to make themselves more popular by going very poppy mainstream. But some of their early stuff, the songwriting and the harmonies and everything they do, like they were just reestablishing a relevance for country music. You mm-hmm. know, it was bringing in bluegrass and uh, call and response singing between the two brothers. Really brilliant, really really brilliant. You know, um, I can't fault them for wanting to make a lot of money out of it. You know, sure, um, but. It's I suppose it's what bands tend to need to do, isn't it? Are you gonna are you gonna take this album out and do a, a tour? Are you gonna do a few shows that you planned? 
No, there's uh, we've been asked so many times about that now in the last few months, and there is no plan to play. Um, it's not. I'm not saying we won't, but right now we're just concentrating on getting the album finished. Mm. It's almost like we can't have them. We don't have the mental space to think about that. Um, well, there will be like this is probably something you're not comfortable talking about. Maybe you are. I'm guessing you're not, but. 25 years, the nostalgia, there's a demographic here, you'd fill the empire like the, like the four of us did. That mm-hmm. night I saw you last, um, you, you could easily fill a venue, easily fill venues across Ireland, definitely Northern Ireland, Yeah, because those people are, are just chomping at the bit for a bit of nostalgia in that respect, you know? Yeah, well look, we're, not, we're, we're kind of not saying no, but we're not going to say yes either, purely because we want to finish the album. Um, for us to do a tour as, as such, it, it's it's a big big time commitment. We're back to being realistic about our time. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be, uh, you know, an advantage in us just going in and recording another album, um, which has been done before. You like it? Do you just like this recording? Like getting together? You obviously you obviously like it, or you wouldn't be doing it. But you you can sense from talking to you that it, that's a bit of a buzz. Like getting no, together. No, we do. We love it. We love it because I think then you're taking these ideas and you're making them real and you're making them kind of uh, into a format people can hear and you know you. As you say, none of those things are. You've got all the influences and the artistic controls yourself. I suppose from a logistics point of view of us playing live, it's it's going to be very difficult for us to do that in in the way we would like to do it. And I mean, I'm saying we would probably want to rehearse and have you know, you know, thirty to forty days rehearsal. That's mm-hmm. how serious we'd be about it. if we're going to do live. We'd want to do it right. Yeah, I would know that. Yeah. And then and then um, the other thing with that is we're thinking well maybe our time would be better used. To, Going in and recording another album, yeah. Um, so look, it's a very long-winded answer, but right now we don't we don't think we will. Um, and we're constantly. I mean, I think there's a message every day on Facebook asking us private messages of when are we going to play, etc. Yeah. So without saying definitely not, it looks like we we're not going to do that. Yeah, it is. It's a. I think um, going back to the very first point that I made was that kind of sitting on two stools, trying to run two businesses. Because a band, the way you're playing in the middle is just not, it's not a hobby. It's a, it's a profession. It's a semi-professional thing, right? So you're doing two things and the other guys in the band have got other jobs as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I think there's the other thing as well. It's just the stage, you know, the other lads have, you know, we've all got kids and some of them are very young and, you know, it's kind of, if you're going to tour and you're going to play, you know, across Ireland, you know, 15, 10, 15 dates, that's a big commitment and it's, it's kind of it's not so much the dates; it's the preparation for the dates and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it may not be the right time for us to do that. It might we might be our time better be better served going in and recording. And the great thing with recording is that it's there forever, whether people like it or not. So, hold yeah, yeah. kettle of fish. But we then I was saying to you earlier, I think there's a backlog there in terms of songs that we'd like to work on, probably four or five albums. You know, so you probably have a fear though. That if you did one gig, you'd enjoy it so much that you'd want to go and do a, a massive tour, and then just but it probably it probably is. There's definitely like I mean, I'm not speaking on behalf. I can't possibly speak on behalf of everybody, but there's this the 25 year milestone mm. typically generates a degree of enthusiasm that's not generated again until 35 and 45 and 55. So it's off the moment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair point. That's a good marketing point. <laughs> but it's true though. And the, the reason that I went, I, I mean, the four of us, the band, because I lived in England, I didn't get the Mary thing. I didn't get the band growing up, but I got into Heaven and Earth. Yeah. Which, it's, it's an amazing body of work. Like mm-hmm. it's, I, I remember saying to Paul Murphy, I said, "Is your boy was deadly happy when he wrote all that. He says, I was just getting married. You could tell in the songwriting that yeah. you made me feel like I stepped into the light and stuff like that. Or the songs you'd be thinking. Yeah, it's a great album. Oh, I'm a big fan of. Just brilliant. My favorite one of theirs is Classified Personal. Which again is that kind of more intimate, there's a real acoustic feel to it. And you know, that would be my favorite. But I totally get it. You're right. And they're out playing. And going back to your point, we know we'll, we'll enjoy playing live. There's no doubt about that. It'd be great to go out and do it. Um, it's probably more a logistics question yeah. for us than anything else, yeah. you know, and understanding where we are and how we best like to use the time we have available, which is unfortunately too restrictive. It's you know? just limited, like it's yeah. just life, man. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. And I, but I can see that maybe changing and, and opening up a bit and, you know, us having more time. But right now, I think what we're more likely to do is probably go and record another album. I'm saying that we haven't even spoke about it. Yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm conscious that it's, it's not a... It's not a solo act, like you yeah, know, you're, yeah. you're speaking on behalf of the, 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 
the quartet of guys like but um it would be it would be a nice uh, nostalgic visit now. Oh, well, we've had requests to play in you know, you know, nowhere big, but you know places like Toronto and London and you know there's there's lots of good things you could do, but it's back to the logistics, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I suppose we're happy that we're actually being productive now. You know, to have ten songs nearly finished a standard we want and 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 out there, you know, that's a pretty big achievement for us yeah. because. Uh, it's easy, maybe on a Friday and Saturday night to say, "Look, I've been working all week." I'll. Uh, no, and I think I get that. Like it goes back to the the what I'm saying about you know sitting on two stools. Like it's really, really, um, you know, it's quite, quite an achievement to to create that body of work to make it sound like it does and still hold down not only how hold down jobs but operate globally like you're doing and putting out the work that. That Mickey's doing, and Mickey, I, I, I would kind of be more familiar with his mm. work than the other lads as well. So some people would maybe struggle getting the one thing right, you know. And it's mm. a, it is very, it's a real, really commendable. Thank you. Um, the before we move on to the kind of the marketing side of it and your business side of it, um, what would you consider, if anything at all, to be a regret as a, over the last twenty five years musically? That, that you didn't have distribution. Well, yeah. I mean, I think if you look at that at that time, that's what we wanted. We wanted to do the whole. You know, get radio play. You know, sell loads of records. You know, so that was a regret. There's no doubt about that. You live, you live, and you learn. It wasn't necessarily our fault, but then you know we'd employed a manager. You know, so probably ultimately the the buck stops with us. Um, definitely, that's been a regret. I, I would also say that it's probably we regret maybe over that hiatus period, as you say, that we didn't put anything out. We didn't, you know. But there was a degree of burn, I think, with us as well from the early days where we played so much and we were doing things to satisfy other people that we almost needed to take a step back mm. and say, you know, um, I, don't, I could be wrong, but I would say maybe one of the biggest regrets we have is, is maybe listening to other people too much in the early days and not following our own, you know. That's a good bit of advice for anybody. Which, yeah, yeah, which probably yeah. I'm as guilty of as anybody, you know. Yeah. We all are collectively in, in the band, but... Um, but it's harder if you think it for one, you know, I, I run my own business, so my decision making stops with me. Mm. Um, if you've got three other partners in the band, plus then wives and girlfriends and families, and then you've got influence coming from people who know better, genuinely know better, but to create conflict, then you have to try and manage that relationship with the other guys. And it's all about, it's never about being right, it's about doing the right thing. Yeah. And that's hard when you've got a whole bunch of people. Oh, it is. I mean, that's, that's it. It's, it's a different world when you're, between working on your own business and, and in the band it's, it's it's more of a more of a democracy in the band you know it's yeah. not it's so there's different ideas floated about about what we should do even the discussion of should we play live or whatever you know there's, there's different opinions around the yeah, table yeah. Now. like yeah. yeah we all know we'd like to play live whether we should or not it's, and when we should is it's, it's a total different kettle of fish whereas you know yourself and running your own business that you make a decision you can make it happen you live or die by it but you, you can make it happen yeah. um so yeah, it's different in that sense. But then I think the music wouldn't be as good without that collective kind of arguing and input and you know. So some of the parts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we'd yeah. all agree that you know that we're back to the influences and the different things coming in there has made it all better than it might just be if it was one person or you know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, do you do you like this body of work that's coming out now that's soon to be titled piece? Mm. Is it your best? Do you think? Is it? Uh, is there any particular work that you'd sit back? No, actually, that was the time. No, I, I would say what we're this on again personal opinion. I think what we're about to release would be our best album. Yeah, great. But I think we always strive to make the next one be better. You know. Um, so this stuff, just for the people listening, if you want to get. Um, if you want to go to the Minnows on Facebook, have you? Is it anything on iTunes at the minute? Or? This uh, the older stuffs on iTunes. Not all of it, but most of it's on there. Uh, ironically, I don't think Time Flies is on there. It was on for a while. It's come off for some reason. Don't know. We we have to sort that out. But um, all of this stuff will go on iTunes when it's released okay. as an album. And where would you direct people? Have you got a website? Is it no, no, we deliberately don't have a website, which is a bit weird. Um, we're just channeling everything through Facebook, for better or worse. Um, we're finding that's a fairly good forum for people to see the videos, you know, interact with us if they've got questions, um, ideas, silly, silly names yeah. for albums. So, um, and it's no shortage of those, I'm sure. No, suppose, of those. no, and I suppose that's part of the whole thing of our, our kind of uh, concentrating the music approach. Whereas we don't want to get bogged down in, you know, what post has to go up or what what 
has to go up on the on the website or you know yeah. um it's not out of laziness it's just out of we think facebook kind of it's a way of people being involved or not involved they can unlike us or they can like us you know yeah i think i think that you're it's a, it's a smart move i think if it's a it's a medium that a can showcase the audio and visual side of it and the narrative so you get the audio visual kinetic and digital thing that's just appeals to everybody's sensibilities and ultimately You'd said this before, you're appealing to people who are interested, not for those who are not interested, mm. and you're very selective about that, and I think you're right to be, because it's a waste of time to do anything else. And mm. that's good marketing, which will so segue us pretty conveniently onto the marketing side of it. Good marketing is about getting the right message to the right person at the right time. It's not about wasting money trying to get everybody. Sure. Because not, sure. not everybody's going to be interested. In I mean, the interesting thing about Facebook, of course, though, is that it's not the free lunch it used to be. You know, you now you need, if we put a post up there, there's only maybe 58% of people will see it. You've got to boost it after that. You've yeah. got to boost it and pay for it after that, which we've done a bit of recently because we want people to know that new song's out or, you know, there's a new video or whatever. But um, Video content changes the game too, doesn't it? If you put stuff on video content, it tends to be more receptive to what you're does. doing. Yeah, I think it just means people are more likely to engage with you and listen to it and you know, we're not really worried about the videos, um, but if they're engaging, it makes it more likely people hear the song. Yeah, yeah. No, so whoever is listening, I would recommend it. Really, go to Facebook and check out um, The Minnows and then take a look at some of the other videos because I think you've three songs up there. We're, yeah, well, we've quite a lot up there, but we've three off what will be the new album. Yeah, three, three, three of the new album and some of the back catalogue, and then you can keep your eye out for the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth songs that will be coming up shortly after. Um, Stevie, we, what time are you, you we, we're just checking time here, yeah. this man has got to go in about five minutes or so, yeah. right? Yeah. So just to finish off, with the, on the work side of it, um, if you're giving advice to anybody as a business, um, what do you think are the big considerations for a business right now as a, as a marketing strategist and as a digital marketing consultant? What are the key things that you think you'd want to, um, I know it's a massive, complete detachment from what we were talking about, sure. but you know, just for people who are trying to promote themselves, and I'm sure everybody's listening has got. I think the key bit of advice I would give is that so many people feel that by having a website or by having a Facebook page that the job's done, and it's not. You know, it's only the start. Um, now I know that many people listening are way ahead of that and probably, you know, uh, could teach me a thing or two. But with the clients that I have, I find that. They don't fully understand digital. They don't, they don't maybe understand how people are interacting with their business, that it's now, it's 24 seven, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's through different medium, mobile's going, you know, through the roof in terms of people accessing information. So, but it's not just, it's funny, I you do use an analogy, it's not just about having a good website because you want to drive people to your website or to your business. And you could be the Beatles, uh, and it's a bit like I, I compare it to being the Beatles in a garage where you've got you're singing Let It Be and it's wonderful and nobody can hear it. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit like having a great website. That's you've got to drive people to it. So you've got to go out and do your radio and do your kind of your email marketing, you you know, your pay-per-click, your social media marketing and your social media advertising. Again, it's back to there isn't anything as a such as a free lunch and I think that people are who are catching up with the digital world feel they've done their bit if they have a website or there's some kind of online presence unfortunately it needs more than that you know um, we're insane we bring that back to the band you know it's okay if we come home soon up there but you know you've got to then maybe boost the message to so right. so people will all oh, right that they tune in and they, they give it time it's not people again we're fighting for people's time and attention and um, well that's what brands have always done it's like um, I'd always talk about uh, a book called The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz where he talk about um, you know, with all of the choices we have today people will either stick to what they're used to or just simply not bother so for you to be able to make a, an impression on their lives you've got to stand out for the right reason very, very mm. in a very considered way mm. I think there's a lot of people in, from a consultancy perspective there's a lot of people that come in from the, the digital space who talk about you know the performance and getting you reports and telling you your Facebook rates and everything else, but they miss the point about the message. Mm. So they're really, really good at doing fuck all, <laughs> except the stuff that they've learned at college. And I think, you know, nothing wrong with that. And it's learning is, is, is great, but I think you need to, uh, you know, your, your brand is your music, right? So you can be on all those channels really brilliantly, mm. but if the music's not resonating with the people that are engaging, it doesn't really matter. The brand, it's all about the brand. It's all about, substance, authenticity, veracity, 
integrity. Absolutely, and I think that maybe that a really good point, and I think that maybe this album is is a definitive kind of thing for the Meadows in terms of our brand. It's 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 so honest. It's there's no fluff there, and and, and that's maybe as well. We've learnt how to record properly, and you know we we discarded a lot of bad habits in terms of the, you know that you might have picked up over over the years. So I think this is again. Uh, the other guys might shoot me, but I think that this is closest to what we would see the Minnows brand being in terms of you know it's it's fresh, it's interesting, yeah. it's 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 um, how would you put it? It's not pandering to anything. It's not trying to be something that we're not. But you you talk about getting rid of the bad habits. That's like your ten thousand hours, isn't it? You put in your you put in the, the yards and the the hours, and you've learned and, and this doesn't work. So instead of keeping it and making a mistake again and again, let's try something that does work. And yeah. you've pushed the boundaries with yourselves, and you've been comfortable pushing the boundaries because there's that tolerance, and you know that you know the frequency you can approach it at. You know the the, the consistency. You know the, the uh, you're just very very comfortable, and that. You know that that's reflected in the sound. That's a very very comfortable sound. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I, the, the the other thing is we're back to that thing. We're not working to anyone else's agenda. You yeah. know, and I suppose we know each other so well now. We have a fairly good idea of you know what is what the minnows is. It maybe you know that internal branding thing. Is so <laughs> no, you can wrap it up. So just on that, if you could probably take it full circle that that if you were to say the minnows is a brand, which you don't, you've never approached it as a brand. You've no. approached it as a as a love. It's, but but actually passion was the word you'd mentioned at the very start right so if you're t- talking about branding and, and taking a successful brand to market then it's ultimately about passion you need to really like doing what you're doing mm. you need to be able to work together with your people and your team to deliver something that you need to understand your audience you need to understand where the audience sits and resides and what's the best way to communicate with them you need to ask their advice so you're asking for names of albums it's like automatic customer research you send or satisfaction surveys but really really cogent stuff mm-hmm. and you just need to find a different way to make yourself relevant knowing that over 25 years if your music hasn't moved on your audience definitely will yeah absolutely you apply that to Audi, Volkswagen, uh, shift control, anything. You can apply it to anything. If Absolutely, you... and I suppose that's the point there I was saying, when you, how do you feel about this album? I think, yeah, this is our best album, but we'll, I probably would have said that because we're moving on. Um, and I would like to think that if we have another one in you know, two, three years, that we'd say, yeah, this is now our best album. Because yeah, yeah. you've got to be trying to constantly improve, make things better. You know, It's kind of... Otherwise, you're just standing still, and I think that's important for brands as well. You know, why bother change your logo? Why bother change your website? Why bother, yeah. you know, reinvent the product? Right? You know, why bother? You've got you, you don't have to do it, but to be relevant, I think is important. Yeah, but I, again, if, if you don't if you don't move on, your audience will. Mm. There'll be somebody else who become more appealing, who will feel more understood, who will feel more loved, and yeah, it's all the social media data gathering and everybody talks about it, data analytics and data is king you know it's not you know all the data in the world and i can't remember who it was it's the name of a comic i'm going to finish now because i know you're you're champing the bit and i've really enjoyed this man and we're going to be pushing over an hour but this no, is thank you really yeah, really well it worth well. it um, there was an organization recently who were a hit hit a hit factory not called the hit factory but they were a hit factory and they wrote songs and they'd done data analytics to prove that the constituent parts of greatest hits were and they did Duration, time, tone, use of instrument, uh, pitch, everything else, about maybe 50 or 60 different uh, selection criteria that they chose. And they went out using the same criteria to, to create a hit. Uh, number 15. Yeah. You know, yeah. some Tokyo, some song about Tokyo, some two girls talking, because apparently the dynamic is the gender biases towards two girls singing a song based on X, Y, and Z. And they d- drove it through data analytics and they, they failed. Well, I suppose you see when you, you're going to fail there. I think when you apply business rules to the production of art, which we're right? That's absolutely. But true. but you can apply all those rules to the distribution of it, to the promotion of it, all of that, and you probably have a degree of success, you know, because those rules tend to. But if the art isn't pure and kind of created uh, as an art form, yeah. you know, if it's created as some kind of widget of a, a production line. Well, then it's... Look, we're back talking to the X Factor. We're X Factor, yeah. Here, man, listen, thank you thank very you much. Paul. Really enjoyed it. Um, um, we're, we're going to finish off with a song yet to be determined because what, what's going to happen now is I'm going to close this and Stevie's going to uh, lend me very kindly another track off the album. We're going to close on that. 
Um, for those of you that were listening, looking for Time Flies, that's going to be somewhere else in the ether, but this song we'll is... Get, well, we'll get you that as well. Yeah, okay, so um, Stevie, thank you very much, man. I really Thanks, appreciate Paul. it. Cheers. Cheers.